It's that time again, fellers, as Jock Journal presents The Free Parking Show. Just a bunch of country boys who have a lot to say about sports. They invite you to call in, text, or just listen in. So pull up a comfy chair and crack open a beer. It's time to talk sports, chicks, and flicks. You're listening live to the Free Parking Show here on Jock Journal Radio. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight. Uh, f- we'd love to hear from you guys on all your thoughts about the Wild Card Weekend, so give us a call at 405-562-5463 or text in at 77948. I'm going to give it over to the maestro here. Rich, what do you got? Oh well, you know we've got the we've got the BCS uh, national championship game going on. I know some of our listeners are probably kind of floating back and forth between that right now. It's a seven-seven tied up between Alabama and Clemson. Uh, you know, normally the way we start start the show is you know we let Peter have a rant, but I think we all came to the consensus earlier today that everybody's got a little bit of something to say about what went on in the uh, the lake. The late uh, Saturday night AFC uh, wild card matchup between the Bengals and Steelers. But Ryan, you are the most uh, vocal of the entire thing, so I'm going to let you go ahead and take the floor on this one, and we'll yeah. add in afterwards. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Um, absolutely. Uh, you know, this is a playoff game. Uh, the whole nation's watching this. Uh, you know, and and for these two teams to come out and and act the way that they did, uh, it is just unbelievably disgraceful. Um. And I hear everybody talks, talking uh, today about it, you know, all the shows and stuff I've been watching have been really been going after the Cincinnati Bengals because their penalties ended up uh, costing them the game. Um, but both teams should be just as embarrassed. And the point is, to, my point to this is, is the Steelers actually should be maybe a little bit more embarrassed because you had a uh, perfect who's a player that's, you know, always getting in these kind of fines and stuff. Pac-Man Jones, a player that's always getting in trouble. For the Steelers, the problem the problem was with their coaches. Uh, Joey Porter coming onto the field when he shouldn't have been on the field. And he said that he was on the field. Um, he said he was on the field to, uh, to go out when Antonio Brown was hurt to make sure he, his guy was okay. He's a linebacker's coach. Antonio Brown's a wide receiver. He only went out there to instigate, and you saw him jawjacking with with uh, Cincinnati players, it, it completely uncalled for. And then the other one uh, really hurt personally because I'm such a big Titans fan. I grew up watching this guy, Mike Munchak. I mean, he was a hero of mine uh, growing up. Uh, very dependable, very great, uh, you know, offensive guard and Hall of Famer because of his play. And then to see him. Uh, shove a player and then pull on the player's hair on his dreadlocks, uh, completely unacceptable. Uh, they're saying that he should be expecting a very severe fine uh, for his actions, and I think that he deserves to be fired. I mean, it, it's sad to see a guy like this that represented your team so proudly and so strongly, uh, you know, as a player and as an offensive line coach when he was with the Titans. Um, and then he acts like this. I mean, you you have to hold the coaches and expect a higher standard from the coaches than you do the players. Um, but not only should the teams be embarrassed, this officiating crew, you know, they call that hit on perfect, which, uh, you know, was it look. I mean, it was kind of targeting. Uh, when I watch the replay, I mean, it is. I don't wouldn't say it's a bad call. Um, I don't know if I would have called it, but I don't, I don't think it's a bad call. But then Ryan Shazier, 
uh, you know, on the, on the I think it was like a driver two beforehand, goes helmet to helmet, obviously targeting, and there's no call there. Uh, the officiating crew could not keep control of the game either. Um, coaches couldn't keep control of their players or other coaches that they had on the sidelines. Uh, this was disgraceful, and it disgraced the most of all. It disgraced the NFL. The entire nation was watching this game. The entire nation uh, came out to watch two pl- two teams. You know, players, coaches, everybody act like children. Uh, completely unacceptable. Every uh, player and coach involved in that game should feel embarrassed for the way that their teams behaved. Oh, I agree 100%, and you we've spoke on Perfect. Uh, if you don't know, uh, the article I published a short time ago, Perfect uh, was handed down a three-game suspension by the league. And this is what – and I, I'm not really going to say much on the game because everybody saw what was going on, 100% true what you said, Ryan. But my issue with this comes down to what are the Bengals doing keeping Marvin Lewis as their head coach? Take us to put aside the the whole you know the the incidents we saw with Perfect and everything else, but Marvin Lewis has completely became a delusional head coach in this league. If he thinks what Perfect did was not quote unquote going over the edge, like, like I said in the article, I would love to see, I would hate to see or hear what he has to, what he uh, defines as going over the edge for any player of that magnitude. You don't sit there drive your freaking knee into the shoulder of a starting quarterback. You don't target like you said, and you don't you definitely don't pick a you know pick somebody off and then run it completely out of the stadium. You know the the league says, well these these are he spent I think they say he was fined like $65,000 the last time the Steelers and the Bengals get together. So it's a repeat offender. Uh the the thing with the the, the Bengals is before I let Peter uh say what he's got to say how are you going to keep a head coach that's, you know, not only lost control of his team, but is now 0-7 in playoff football? You're not scaring anybody winning the division titles, Cincinnati. You scare teams by winning playoff games, by winning championships. Nobody's afraid of you guys. Your history shows you get into the playoffs, you choke. And like, like I said, you know, this is not completely Marvin Lewis's fault. But he's got he's gonna have to take a shoulder of the blame because Mike Brown, believe it or not, is the GM there, and I, I think he's done a phenomenal job building a substantiated roster, both offensively and defensively. They got it going on, but they, Marvin Lewis is just not the the correct coach for this job. Uh, Peter, what did you have? What did you take away from this game the other night? Well, I agree with the both of you wholeheartedly, um, especially about the lack of officials and coaches uh, keeping control of themselves and the players. And uh, and as far as Marvin Lewis goes, you know, I think we talked about it on the show that if Andy if Andy Dalton could make it back to the playoff game and they lost, that the Bengals would give Mar- Marvin Lewis a pass, which he doesn't deserve. Um, and the, the, the way the officials handled that game was just ridiculous. There was parts of where I thought they were trying to get control back, but they definitely didn't. They allowed the players to get really chippy with each other. And I think pretty much from the start of the game, we knew it was going to be a problem because they were standing at midfield before the game started to keep the teams, the teams apart. Um, and then it wasn't just the, <clears throat> the players and coaches that were doing bad things. The fans were throwing bottles at Ben Roethlisberger as he was being carted off the field and cheering that. 
you know, there's no there's no place in football for something like that. You know, there there are teams that I don't particularly care for, or coaches I don't like. Um, anyone anyone that asked me about Rex, sorry, Rex Ryan knows that I don't particularly care for him. I think he's loud, obnoxious, but I would never wish to see him get hurt or something like that. Um, and as far as Jerry Porter goes, I'm not surprised that guy was on the field running his mouth. That guy, I never liked him. I, I you know, I'll, and I, you know, I don't care if he if he hears this or not. I don't like him. I think he's always been one of the biggest mouth players in the in the game. He talks a lot of trash. Can't seem to back it up at times. You know, there's been times where he's bad mouthed other teams when they've lost. I think if I remember <clears throat> remember correctly, Big Ben's rookie year, uh, he was talking trash about the Patriots because the Patriots had lost to the Steelers in Pittsburgh during the regular season, but the Pats went in and crushed them in that AFC title game uh, en route to their third Super Bowl in four years. And the reporters always sort of just had a bad attitude. I never particularly cared for him. I think he's a punk. Um, don't like him at all, player, coach. You know, just keep your mouth shut and just do your job is what I want him to do. Um, you know, there's a lot of other players that feel that way about like Johnny Menzel, shut the hell up and do what you're supposed to do. And it's just, it's just sad. You know, the coaches, the players, and the fans all were, were pathetic in this game as far as I'm concerned. And the officials didn't do a very good job. And you, and I don't know if you guys heard this during the game, they were making announcements in the stadium asking the, the fans to relax because things were starting to get out of hand. I, I honestly thought that there was going to be fans running onto the field. So, you know, just overall, it was just horrendous. Um, I'll post my article again on our Facebook page and Twitter after this, um, so that way we can, um, that way if people want to read about my thoughts on this, on the, on the game and the poor sportsmanship, they can they can look at it. And Ryan and, and Rich, great points you guys made. I mean, I couldn't agree anymore with you guys. It's just a, a really good game filled with lots of stupid, stupid mistakes. But Pac-Man Jones, in my opinion, was right to get upset about Joey Porter being on the field. Joey Porter knew what he was doing by yelling at him. He knew he would instigate him and get a field goal. And to me, Joey Porter should be fired right now. If I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm calling him up and saying you're done. I would call him and, and FedEx his stuff to his house because I don't want that bum in my stadium anymore. He's a bum. A bum. I want to say one more uh, quick point on this, too, is, um, you know, a lot of the play, or, you know, uh, Pac-Man Jones, perfect. Um, and, then, you know, Pac-Man, I understand he did, does have the right to be upset, Um about Joey Porter being on the field, but he handed it wrong, getting in, you know, trying to like get between the refs and stuff. You know, when the ref tells you to back up, back up. Um, so we deserve to be penalized for it, I think. Uh, you know, perfect and and uh, and Joey Porter all should be. Me to me, man, Munchak, a coach physically attacking a player should be an automatic firing. It, it should be. It shouldn't even be in the hands of the team anymore. Uh, going after a player like that as a coach. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's and it, uh, maybe it hurts me more just because um, being a Titans fan, you know. The, I mean, this guy's a Hall of Famer, uh, you know, player, um, and was an amazing offensive line coach in Tennessee before he took over the head coaching job. And we all know how that went. Um, but it, a coach going out and lashing out at a player like that is completely, completely unacceptable. There's no reason that that should happen. It should be. I, I mean, if I'm the Rooney family, he's got to go. Um, and and I, if I was another team, I would have no interest in him. Uh, even though he is an amazing offensive line coach, uh, you know he should be. He should never coach another down. I mean, if I was a high school coach, I wouldn't hire him right now. That is unbelievable. Uh, that you would, as a coach, go out and lash out at a player like that, physically attack a player. It's completely unacceptable. So the Steelers move Agreed. on. They, you know they beat totally the Bengals agree. eighteen to sixteen. They're they're. they're there was still a game played. Uh, Big Ben injury to the shoulder. Uh, that was from the perfect incident. 
Uh, Antonio Brown went down. Uh, Giovanni Bernard went down. I mean, it, there, there were so many injuries in this game. And, and believe it or not, this the hit from uh, Shabir, Shab, whatever his name is, to Bernard was pretty brutal as well. Uh, Steelers will play the Broncos uh, next Sunday night, I believe. Yeah, Shazir. Uh, Steelers move on. Great game outside of the other stuff. The way, the, you know, hats off to to Big Ben coming back, playing on that bad shoulder. Uh, score update on the BCS uh, National Championship game is now 14-7. to uh, Touchdown pass thrown to the tight end. Uh, extra point was good. Uh, so let's go ahead and move over here to this other AFC divisional game. And, and before we speak on that, I, there was something that uh, caught my attention for the first time in NFL history, none of the divisional winners won their playoff games. All the road teams won. Never happened before. Although you could have, you could could have kind of seen that happening. It was like I I don't know. I was not on the show Thursday night, so I don't know what the picks were. But I actually picked the AFC road teams and the NFC home teams, and I went two for two. But uh, Kansas City and Houston. That, that was the other game that was played on before that one. And, you know, 30 to nothing the first time in 10 years uh, shut out in the NFL playoffs as well. I, I'll say this. Houston really – that AFC South, we joked AFC South all year, and they, they just had to have a team there is the way I felt on this game. Uh, the four turnovers committed by Brian Hoyer, uh, Alex Smith was Alex Smith, you know, broke free for what was it, a 70-yard run that eventually got – uh, call back on a holding penalty then I don't know what uh, Bill O'Brien was thinking trying to put uh, that 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 trick play where he put what's his name Vince Wilfork in at fullback and tried to have J.J. run it in I said come on dude really I, you, this game could have I don't think the Texans legitimately had a chance but I try and look at the positive on it the same had Brian Hoyer not had the critical turnovers that he had or even the opening kickoff that got returned for a touchdown. This could have, this may have been a little bit closer than what the score said. Agreed, Peter? Did we lose Peter? Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with you there. No, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Hello? I didn't know where you. What happened? <laughs> All right, can you ask me that question again? Yeah, I can hear you. No, I said, do you right, agree you that, that had the turnovers again? not happened? I, I think we are. He said, can you hear if, me, if Ryan? The, yeah, if the turnovers hadn't have happened, it would have been a closer game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, how many turnovers did Hoyer have again? It was just pitiful. Five, I think. Um, yeah, I think it was five. I think it was know, three fumbles and three picks. He threw four picks and lost the fumble. Yeah, I think it would have been closer had it not been for the turnovers. Um, definitely killer because it wasn't like the Chiefs offense did really did anything really amazing. Um, you know, I think they opened up the game seven nothing on a kickoff return for a touchdown, which was uh, pretty spectacular. But overall, I didn't think the offense was like great until the second half. And I, and I do agree. I think without the turnovers, you don't see a thirty to nothing score. Uh, you probably see something a little bit closer. I still I still think the Chiefs would have won. Just because Brian Hoyer probably would have made a mistake, but uh, you know, like you said, five, you know, thirty to nothing is because of the five turnovers. 
Had it not been for those, I think it probably would have been something along the lines of like 21, 20, 21, 17 or something like that. Kansas City winning, but you know, Brian Brian Hoyer really, really threw that game away for them. I mean, it's just there's no excuse for a quarterback play that bad. That's the worst game I've seen a QB play in the playoffs, probably since Jake Delhom stunk up the joint and against the Arizona Cardinals years back when um, Arizona went to, went to the Super Bowl and eventually lost. No, I'm gonna. I'm you gonna... can't forget about the Peyton Manning. Oh, uh, now I was gonna say you can't forget about uh, Peyton Manning's five interceptions thrown up at the AFC Championship game in 2004 in Foxborough, either. So, no, I completely. Agree. I, I completely agree with this. Uh, it might have been closer, <laughs> um, but I still think that Kansas City would have won handedly. I, this team was so much better than Houston. Uh, played an outstanding game. They really did on both sides of the ball. You talked about the. The run by Alex Smith, the amazing run by Alex Smith that was called back uh, 70 yards off of the holding. And, I mean, it was just – I mean, they, they played phenomenally. The Marcus Peters, can we talk about this kid? He is the real deal. I mean, I'm talking – he might be top five already in this league. He played outstanding in this game. He's done it all year. He's shut down every big name. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't get enough credit, I don't think, in this league. He has been playing outstanding for the rookie. Uh, I mean, I think this is the best rookie – I will, I'll go on record as saying this. This is the best rookie year for a corner since Deion Sanders. I mean, he is unbelievable how well that Marcus Peters has been playing. Um, and they played an excellent football game all around. The defense coming up with the, all those turnovers. The offense moving the ball down the field. Um, losing Macklin's going to hurt a lot for them uh, heading forward, especially they have a really tough game heading to Foxborough next week. Uh, so that hurts a lot for this team. But they, you He's know, Alex, expected to play. He is expected to play? He's They're saying it's a ankle sprain, but he's going to give it a go. Oh, that's huge for them. Uh, Macklin's really had a good year this year for them. A- Andy Reid really has this team just moving. They're playing excellent defense right now. Uh, I think they finished the season th- uh, with a third least amount of points given up. Uh, you know, they're really playing good. Uh, the front seven playing excellent. That secondary's playing phenomenal. Uh, you have the offense moving along. You know they lose their best player on their offense, Jamal Charles, and then get better as a football team. You know uh, as it progressed, uh, West deserves a lot of credit for stepping up. He's played phenomenal, and the backup running back, uh, you know, stepping up and really coming strong. And um, Alex Smith, man, San Francisco just has to be sick over letting this kid go for Kaepernick because Alex Smith is just playing lights out right now in Kansas City. He gets that everybody talks bad about that game manager tag, but I tell you what, Terry Bradshaw, game manager, won four Super Bowls. You know, that game manager tag doesn't is not necessarily bad. I mean you look Trent Dilfer, game manager, won a Super Bowl. There's plenty of examples of guys that were just that game manager that went on to achieve greatness. And Alex Smith could be uh, the next batch of these guys. He played phenomenal in this game. Uh, I can't get enough for Kansas City. I mean, they blew them out of the water. Um, I want to say one quick note on the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game before we move on from it is uh, you talked about Big Ben. Uh, you know, Big Ben's not a, a guy that gets a lot of credit for how good he is, I don't think. Coming back in through the injury uh, to win that game, that that should be what this game's talked about. But, of course, the, the poor sportsmanship is, is the story. But, man, he, coming back like that, that's that's a true leader that they have in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and when we're talking about Big Ben, uh, the reports are that he's got to separate his right shoulder or something. Whatever shoulder is hurt is the one that's separated. Now he's going to try and play. So 
And quick question before, you know, do you really believe that Antonio Brown will not play uh, Sunday? I 100% think he will I play Sunday. I think he's going to play. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I, I think he yeah, was I concussed, but I don't think it, the concussion was as serious as what they're trying to make everybody believe. Because there was an article written by the uh, Pittsburgh Gazette said they're both expected to play. It's good that that game. You know, that's going to be the game we talk about. The the, the divisional rounds are going to be extremely great. I think. Uh, the other question for the Chiefs is: is you know they they talk about this eleven game winning streak. I think they've beaten uh, the Browns, the Lions, uh, the the Chargers, and the Raiders twice, as well as the Steelers without Big Ben and a Denver without a banged up Peyton Manning. You know. I think the Chiefs are legitimate contenders, but at the same time, I'm still not quite sure what to make of them because they, you know, we, we've talked all year about the 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 strength of these schedules, and it, it's kind of like the Chiefs have been kind of walking through this cupcake schedule. And I, is it safe to say that New England will be their biggest challenge, just like the Chiefs are going to be New England's biggest challenge in this playoff matchup? Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to challenge the Patriots a little bit, uh, <clears throat> just because Kansas City is a, they're built to play good defense. They can run the ball pretty well, and Alex Smith doesn't turn over the football that much. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, they did have some tough. They, you know, they did play uh, the Bills. They did, and they demolished the Broncos in that last game. Uh, demolished the Lions. Uh, beat Steelers by ten. Um, uh, you know, had a tight game with the Vikings earlier this season. Uh, the, this team is they have uh, played a lot of easy schedule down the road at the end of that especially um, but I think that this is going to be a tough challenge I think that this game is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think um, and it's it's you know all eyes right now are on that uh, that Patriots offensive line I th- you know they're getting their guys back some guys back and healthy on that offensive line because uh, they love to bring the pressure uh, in KC. So that, I think, is going to be a key matchup in that game. But I think that, yeah, they have played a pretty easy uh, schedule down the road. Um, but I think that this team is for real. I mean, they demolished Houston. And, and before we go into yeah, our, they first did our, uh, our first round, yeah, they, they did demolish Houston. But then you think about it this way. New England, when they played Houston a few weeks back, it was 27-6. to So... I, that, that's why I think I kind of agree with you, Ryan, that this game's going to be a little bit closer than what most think. The biggest question for Houston moving forward is what do you do with Brian Hoyer? So I, I've read reports that he's under a two-year deal. Well, you know they fought, they fired, like, I think their special teams coach and, like, two other assistant coaches over that mess. But I'm like, okay, that doesn't solve your quarterback issue because obviously I, I think, you know, I think there was a couple of uh, outside talking between the amongst us that you know Brian Hoyer is probably not a starting quarterback material anymore uh, do they go after Sam Bradford do they draft another quarterback do they roll with Tom Savage what do they do with this quarterback situation Peter they got they got to get rid of Brian Hoyer there's no I don't excuse think, for oh. kind of what he's just kind of what he's displayed um you know, it's Bill O'Brien to me is if he keeps having these quarterback carousels in Houston, he shouldn't have a job because 
you know, everyone to talk about oh, he's won with all these different quarterbacks this season. But when I really count on the playoffs, Ryan Hoyer, who one of my best friends' dad used to call him Hoyer the Destroyer when he was in Cleveland, is what he says he is. Hoyer the Destroyer. He destroys the hopes and dreams of his teammates around him when it counts the most. Remember last year down the stretch, he started playing, I think, poorly after the Browns had a pretty good start to their season. When it matters most, Hoyer just can't, can't do anything. I'm not sure about Tom Savage because he, he was on IR all season long. Uh, so that obviously isn't that doesn't work, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, so you know, the Houston they've got to figure this thing out. And there are some free agents. I think Sam Bradford. He finally, well, I don't know if he's going to go back to Philly. Then you get RG three, who's looking like a free agent, and then you got possibly Colin Kaepernick. Just to name a few. But if I if I had to pick any of those guys, I go with RG three because they'll have a defense, they'll have the receivers. They seem to have a pretty good running game no matter who's running the ball. And I think that Bill O'Brien can help fix him, and he can be something special again in Houston, possibly, and a smaller mark than in Washington. I'm not a, a fan of RG3. Uh, I don't think I've made any mistake about that. I just I think the NFL's figured him out. I don't think it matters where you put him. Um, so I think that you go to the draft looking, because this team is good. They do have a good defense. They do have weapons on that offense. Um, if Arian Foster comes back healthy next year, then you have you know a top-tier uh, running back with a top-tier wide receiver in Hopkins who's been playing excellent. So if you get a, a good young quarterback in that system right now, I mean, this team would only be you know three, four years away from a true contender. Uh, so I think that you go into the draft looking for um, your quarterback of the future because obviously it's not Hoyer, you know. And I mean, how many quarterbacks have they started in the last two, three seasons? I mean, Mallett was there, uh, Whedon was there. Uh, I mean, it's just you know, it's like the sign of a bad quarterback. Like, you don't even need to go know the guy's name, look at his stats. You just look that he played at Houston in the last like ten seasons, and you're just like, yeah, he's a bad quarterback. Um, so they need to go out, and I think they need to start fresh. They need to go after. Uh, a new guy um, go into the draft looking for your new guy. I, I do. I don't like RG three. I just think the the NFL's figured him out. Um, they know how to defend against them, and then you have the injury issue issues on top of that. Uh, so I think that you go out and you start fresh. You start looking for uh, you know the, your future, your franchise quarterback, and you know it's not a bad thing for them to do right now. If you look at the AFC South, you have Luck, who's you know, heading towards the middle of his career now, um, or not, I mean, not even yet. Uh, and then, of course, you have uh, Mariota, and you have um, uh, Blinken, right? And the Bortles down there in Jacksonville. Uh, so you have Bortles. a lot of young quarterbacks. You bring in your own young quarterback, and then by the time all of those guys, you know, Bortles and Mariota are hitting their prime, your guy's going to be hitting his prime too. Uh, so you can really compete in that league because if they don't do that, um, you know, four or five years down the road, they're going to be the sorriest team in the AFC South. One name to keep in mind uh, before we get a commercial break, Sam Bradford. I think that's who they should go after. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go under our commercial break. Uh, stay tuned. We will cover the uh, other two games that went on between the Vikings and Seahawks, followed by the Redskins and uh, Packers. Take it out. Well, the boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out. People end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear? <laughs> that boy's good. 
Also on the web at carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization, so you'll receive a maximum tax deduction. What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights. 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids. one 877 cars for kids Donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a steak on his eye well, why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think all right you're listening to jock journal radio here this is a free parking show the wild card edition uh, feel free to call in at 405-562-5463 or text in at 77 77- Nine four eight. Uh, let's get right back into it, Rich. Uh, Seahawks ten, Vikings nine. I think this game was probably the most surprising game out of the entire weekend itself. Low, very, very low scoring. None of the offenses could do anything. Uh, Minnesota had this game in their hands. Uh, Adrian Peterson got stripped uh, by. What's his name? Cam Chancellor. Late in that game, uh, they came back down the field, and and if you didn't see it, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, I, I don't know if you guys seen all the videos between the fans. I don't think Minnesota fan base is ever going to get it. They're going to take a while to get over this one. How do you miss a 27 yard field goal? I, I don't know. Everybody was like, "Oh, the laces were in." I said, "Well, he made one from like 45 yards out earlier in that game with the laces in, so you can't really use that excuse." Then I had another uh, Vikings fan tell me, well, he's money from 40 yards out, but he's always struggled close range. I'm like, why am I? I said, you know, it's just like, why are you guys telling me now? You guys never say anything about his uh, his struggles close range in. And the funny thing is, if a kicker misses a field goal at the end of the game, nobody wants to blame him. It's like, oh, well, they should have been able to score a touchdown down there. But if he makes the game in a game-winning situation, he's some sort of hero. I mean, they look at the way the pa- the, the Patriots haters treat Tom Brady with his three Super Bowl rings early in his career. Oh, well, he wouldn't have them three rings if it wasn't for Adam Benatari. Yeah, they failed to mention, you know, well, Benatari missed, what, the first three field goals of that game as well. So it, it shouldn't have came down to that. But that's just the, it's the nature of the business, guys. I mean, we we all saw it. I mean, I, 
Peter, what do you think? I think people that are trying to blame the Vikings kicker, it's ridiculous to me because <clears throat> the Vikings, one of my friends pointed out, pointed this out, he goes, it's not his fault because the Vikings couldn't even put up 10 points on the board. The Vikings were even lucky to beat <clears throat> in field goal range there towards the end of that game thanks to a penalty and then a sideline pass. So don't blame it on the kicker. Minnesota's offense struggled most of the game, as did Seattle's. Uh, their defense, I think, had a hard time getting to Russell Wilson sometimes. It, to me, this was just a, a sloppy game on both sides. Russell Wilson, you know, the Seahawks are lucky to even have him because if, if it was any other quarterback set of him, Kim, Kim Newton, Alex Smith, or Aaron Rodgers on that botch snap, I think that whoever was playing quarterback would have been taken down. Guys are less mobile and aren't as, aren't as athletic. Sorry, as athletic. So I think Seattle caught a very lucky break during that game. Um, but, you know, the blame on the kick is just absurd. Minnesota's offense was terrible. Adrian, <clears throat> Adrian Peterson couldn't get the ball going on the ground. And I, the way the receivers of the Vikings aren't getting open, including Michael Wallace, who to me should not be starting a two a number two wide receiver on any team that that's what he's playing. So I feel bad for the Vikings. Um, and offensively, both teams struggle, but don't blame it on the kicker. It's not his fault. The Vikings should have put up more points than they did more points than they did during this game. And the blame it on one guy is just absurd. He was the only reason they scored points, and the Vikings should be lucky to have him because if it wasn't for him, the team might not may have not even been in that game at the end. Yeah, I'm I'm completely agree. Real quick score a update uh for the national championship game. It's 14-14 right now. Clemson's got the ball uh moving down the field 9 minutes left in the second. Uh, I agree with what you said there Peter. Um you know, first touching on uh the kicker, uh Blair Walsh missing that kick. That's a heartbreaker. And he did uh, if you look at the four kicks that, that he had in that game, the four field goal attempts that he had, he had one with the laces facing uh, the right way, you know, laces out. He had one where the laces were facing like sideways, they're pointing right at the holder, and then he had the two where the laces were pointing directly at him. Um, if you hit the ball good, if you land a good kick, it doesn't make a ton of difference, uh, but it is a psychological thing, and I think that a lot should be put on this holder. It is definitely a psychological thing, and if there's one kick that you really, really want to make him feel comfortable, it's the game winner, you know. Uh, so I, I put a lot of that on the holder. You know, Blair Walsh this year made more field goals than any kicker in the NFL. Um, so you obviously know that he can kick the ball. I've seen a lot of people calling for him to be fired. That's insanity to me. He's a really good kicker in this league. Uh, he should definitely keep his job. It was definitely a nerves thing. I think nerves had a lot to do with it because you saw him hit, I think it was from 46, 40, and 26, and then he missed the 27, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I think nerves had a lot to play with yeah. in, in that. Uh, looking at this game, though, the Vikings had numerous opportunities. You know, no game comes down to one play, uh, no matter what anybody tells you. Uh, the fumble was huge for them. They kept moving the ball down, and really, uh, Blair Walsh was their only, uh, you know, points factor in this entire game. You know, he hit those three field goals that put him up nine. One thing I'm gonna, and I, this is a question to you guys, but I'm gonna talk about it real quick for a second, leading into this question. They have Seattle has. That blown snap uh, that turns into a gigantic play because of Russell Wilson. Um, then it comes down 26 seconds left in the game. 
they line up for a field goal and they shank it. Is this the luckiest team in the NFL? I mean, it just seems like everything goes their way. You get the, you know, a guy that nails field goals every single week, week in and week out. Great kicker, misses a chip shot, and I know you guys saw. I linked you into that uh, Vikings fans on a football field after the game nailing twenty-seven yarders. Yeah, because uh, they were upset about it. But uh, and then the the blown play, you know, the snap fumbled. He picks it up. No one's around him. Uh, at first, then he runs out to his right, throws the pass, finds Lockett, who makes a big play out of it. Uh, is this just the luckiest team in the NFL? Oh, man, that that's a tough yeah. decision because I, I, I may have to agree with you, but before that I would have probably said Denver before Peyton Manning got hurt. I saw Denver win some ball games that was just like, how in the heck did these boys pull this off? I think it's a part of it is luck, but when you look back at the Adrian Peterson fumble, uh, Cam Chancellor just picked his pocket cleanly. That that was an outstanding play. For whatever reason, Seattle is finding a way to get it done. That was a lucky game. Um, I know that Seattle fans aren't going to want to hear that. Um, I'm, I'm sure if Nash is listening, he definitely doesn't want to hear that because he's a diehard Seahawks fan. But <laughs> they all got lucky in this one. You know, on top of the missed field goal, Russell Wilson being able to pick up that ball and ball find Tyler Lockett for that wide open pass is <clears throat> just ridiculous. And that's no disrespect to Seattle, but we have to start pretending like Seattle won that game. Uh, Minnesota lost it more than Seattle won it. You know, it wasn't one of those games Absolutely. where it was a shootout and one team made a bad mistake. It's just that the the kicker was put in a bad position and the Lakers were faced in. I'm tired of everyone giving Seattle all these props and kudos for winning the game. They almost gave it away, so I don't want to hear anything anything about that. And you know, Seattle was lucky in this one. They better hope and pray that they at least have Marshawn Lynch again next week against the Panthers. So I think Carolina is going to put a whooping on them and. I think their luck runs out next week, and, and I'm just I'm, I'm irritated about hearing about this game. Stop saying have, Seattle won this one, the Minnesota lost it. It's not that way. <laughs> I have uh, one more point here. Um, if for anybody who watched part in the interruption tonight, they saw Michael Wilbon talk about um, why is uh, the Vikings moving into a dome next year? Obviously, weather played a huge impact in this game, and it gave them a very good advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, why move into a dome if you're up there in Minnesota? You only play like what three, maybe two teams that know what that kind of cold weather is like. I mean, you got like the Packers and the Lions, and then like in no one else knows what it's like to play in that frigid up north. You know, there's cold games at Foxborough, there's cold games in Chicago, uh, but that doesn't compare to Minneapolis. Uh, the, the weather they get up there, it's a huge, huge factor. You get teams like, you know, you get like those Western teams out there. You get all the teams in the South coming up, and like you know, Dallas coming up there and playing a game. I mean, you freeze them out. Why? Why go for a dome? Why not just stay in the outdoors? And I love those outside games. It looks like it's like the whole roof is made of glass. Too, I saw a picture of it online. So uh, that's a good question. I know uh, you were speaking of the Patriots and the, the frigid air out there. I think Robert Kraft went on record saying football is meant to be played outdoors. So. I guess it's because they were playing in a dome before. Uh, before we go into this Packers-Redskins game, here's a good obvious question. What do the what do the Vikings need to do to get over this playoff hump? I think the biggest problem with the Vikings right now is that they've got 
Stefan Diggs, who, believe it or not, is a superstar in the making. And Adrian Peterson, you know, he he had the, the league's rushing crown, but I think you need that second option outside of Peterson and Diggs. I, I think you've got to have a second wide receiver option. And Eric Rudolph was, you know, he was a promising star, but he was kind of ineffective this year. And, Peter, you just said so yourself that Mike Wallace should not be a starting wide receiver in this this league. So is it is it a safe assumption to say that Minnesota needs to either go out and get another big-name wide receiver or draft one? Absolutely, yeah. Mike Wallace, to me, and I've said this numerous occasions, is the same as Cordell Patterson. They can run down the field, and they can run slant, and that's it. They're fast, and they can... You know, they can do other stuff, but Mike Wallace to me just isn't worth the trouble. Um, <clears throat> definitely not worth the money, in my opinion, the number one or number two. And I think they have to draft one this year, go after one of free agents. Because Teddy Bridgewater can't just keep going to guys that can't get open or catch or all they can do is run a mile down the field but drop, you know, drop more passes than we've ever seen. Mike Wallace is overrated as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, Minnesota definitely needs to get some help at receiver because if they don't, they're going to be in some serious trouble. I'm going to agree. Uh, I do think they need to get another guy out there. Um, but for me, if I was going to say that one thing that I would put on that team um, if I was a head coach is an elite pass rusher. Uh, you know, this secondary is mean, is mean how good they are. Uh, and the front seven does provide some good pressure. Um they struggle a lot against the run, though. Uh, and I think that you get an elite pass rusher in there, though. Uh, you know, get one of those guys, one of those edge rushers that's just, uh, you know, like a one of the best edge rushers in the league. You would get a guy, you know, like a J.J. Watt or, you know, a guy that can really come off of the edge. Um, then that defense would be unbelievably brutal. Uh, I think you need, they need to work there. They obviously need to work with their linebacking core. Um, they were awful against the run this season. And... Uh, and obviously get that that second option out there because Stefan Diggs, man, that boy's a playmaker. Uh, you know, he's that kind of guy that you get on that like three yard slant, and then all of a sudden you just see him that number fourteen flashing down to the end zone. That kid makes plays. He's like a bigger version of Tavon Austin because he moves just like him. I mean, just slippery as butter moving down the sideline. I mean, he's an unbelievably great player. I think that they have he's a bright future in front of him. Another thing, you have to let this team grow. I think Rudolph is going to cement himself in the next couple of years as one of the better tight ends in this league. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, of course, needs more time to mature. The problem with that is, though, the more these guys mature, um, obviously the older Adrian Peterson gets, and he's going to be hard to replace. And last but not least, uh, they closed the wildcard weekend out. Uh, Packers over the Packers uh, closed the weekend out with a win, uh, 35-18 over the Redskins. You know, the, the Redskins are doing the right thing. They've got excellent building blocks with Kirk Cousins. Uh, you got Deshaun Jackson on one end, Pierre Garçon on the other end, the budding star on Jordan Reed. Defensively, they they struggled. Offensively, it was kind of there, but I, I think, you know, we saw the Packers, or not the Packers, but the Redskins from a year ago when their defense gave up. It, it forced the offense to do more than what it was capable of. I think, honestly, I think the Redskins are moving in the right direction on this game. That was my takeaway. Uh, didn't see a lot of mistakes from Kirk Cousins. Maybe one or two Aaron throws that probably he should have avoided. 
But once again, I thought this kid, I, I like this kid. I, I'm a huge fan of Kirk Cousins. I, I, a friend of mine and I were talking off the air uh, the other day, and I said, if anyone deserves to win the most improved player in the NFL award, it's got to be him. This kid is just phenomenal. And if Dallas and, you know, Dallas doesn't figure out what they're going to do with their quarterback situation, I'm going to tell you, the Redskins figure out this defense, they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in that NFC East. But hats off to the Packers. They found themselves again. But like I said, you were playing the, the Washington Redskins who are almost the bottom beaters of the NFL on defense. You guys are going back to Arizona where you got thumped two, uh, three weeks ago. So good luck there, uh, Peter. You know, what, do you, what did you make of this one as well? So the, the, the late game yesterday was, was pretty disappointing. Um, you know, I don't remember who everyone picked to win the game, but I picked Washington to win, and, man, I was let down. Green Bay, out of nowhere, came alive. An offensive line looked like an all-star cast for the first time in forever, and they had to step up because, remember, Aaron Rodgers, he, well, so the play before the safety, he was almost safe but they called it back on a penalty and it was safety. They gave up 11 points and then all of a sudden everything turned around. Um, you know, I heard an argument on the radio, local radio show the other day, he was ESPN 1100 out here, you know, were the Redskins coaches watching the film because Aaron Rodgers and the team kept rushing to the line and snapping them all when Washington had too many guys on the field. So the Packers took advantage of the hurry up, get to the line and snap the football against Washington who might not have looked at game film as this gentleman said on the radio the other night. So, you know, it was disappointing in my opinion. Green Bay, Green Bay was clearly the better team, and I think Kirk Cousins is going to get his money at the end of the season before next season starts. And it's just, it was disappointing. So, hats off to Green Bay for winning. Um, you know, maybe Green Bay has a shot in Arizona next week. Who knows? But I was stunned. I was really stunned at how this game turned out. I thought Washington was going to run away with this thing. Um, when they started up, up one up eleven and nothing, and made this fell apart and completely crumbled. Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. Real quick, we did get one text in uh, here from the Ohio area, actually near me in Athens, Ohio, and it said uh, about the the missed kick by Blair Walsh, and it said what an extreme letdown. Dot dot dot. You could tell, you could feel the pain coming off of that text. Uh, so sorry, uh, obviously a Minnesota fan. Uh, but, you know, you look at this game, the Washington-Green uh, Bay game, and uh, Washington had this game the first quarter, uh, even into the uh, second quarter, I think like first five minutes in the second quarter, they were the better team by easily. You know, they were moving the ball down the field. Their defense was getting, I mean, every single play, Aaron Rodgers was rushing outside of the pocket, uh, rushing left, rushing right. Uh, you know, he, he couldn't step into the pocket because it was already closed. He did an excellent job getting pressure, and their, their offense was clicking. Um, but then that stopped. And I, I, you have to give the coaching staff a lot of, of credit here, and you have to give Aaron Rodgers a lot of credit here. This was, you know, the getting them... Uh, you know, off of the or getting them snapping the ball when there was Redskins still trying to get off the field, uh, and that led to the one touchdown that they threw to Randall Cobb. Uh, that's just a, a smart veteran play. Getting them to jump off sides, which he did a couple of times on those hard counts. Uh, you know, just a veteran smart quarterback play. 
Um, and I know that Peter said he couldn't remember who everybody picked in this game from last week, uh, but I can refresh your memory, Peter. I was the only one that picked Green Bay to win this game. Uh, so you and Amos both <laughs> picked uh, the Washington Redskins. And I love Kirk Cousins, but I-, I can't go against Aaron Rodgers in this type of game in the playoffs. He's just too good. Uh, too good of a quarterback. He makes so many smart decisions. A lot of the credit for this win goes on his shoulders because he just made smart moves. He knew that his offensive line wasn't going to hold up, so he got out of the pocket. Uh, or he made quick counts, made the hard count, uh, got them uncomfortable uh, to where they were, you know, instead of being on their toes right before the snap, they're on their heels, which uh, any offensive line or defensive lineman will tell you uh, that's a huge difference. Um, you know, they they didn't know when to rush. He kept them guessing. Uh, that's just all um, solid quarterbacking play. I hear people talk about how the offensive line stepped up, and that's not what happened. This offensive line was still the same offensive line that allowed seven sacks. What was it, two or a week ago? Um, it was a smart quarterback play. That was 100% Aaron Rodgers, and he played an absolutely beautiful game. As for Washington, uh, they they played, you know, came back. They started the season very weak, and then came back. Won their last four games of the season. Uh, really impressive what they were able to do. I love this guy, Kirk Cousins. Man, does he throw the ball well. He's making smart reads. Uh, it was a great idea for them to get two quarterbacks in that draft because obviously RG3 didn't pan out, but man, Kirk Cousins is. And I'll tell you what, if Redskins uh, don't give him his money, somebody will because this kid's playing good football, and he deserves to get paid for it. And I think that the, you know they have their guy for the future right now. Kirk Cousins has been playing phenomenally well I really like what he's been able to do with the football um you know Green Bay just the just the more uh the better team they just have the more experienced um you know and the more experienced guy and you know that uh more experienced quarterback and you saw it man the way he was able to to get those dumb penalties uh force the Vikings into dumb mistakes like that I mean excuse me the Redskins into dumb mistakes like that on their defense, uh, really get the, that pressure second-guessing itself. It was unbelievable what they were able to do. And they come away with a big win here, and now they, they move on to the next round. So uh, hats off to Aaron Rodgers. You know, Unbelievable how well he played in this game. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, real quickly, uh, for the new listeners, we've got this new segment. We've been doing it for about a month now. It's called our... Uh, for most who don't know, Peter's favorite words, bums. We've included the bum and stud of the week. Uh, <laughs> this week for me, my bum of the week goes to the entire since my bum of the week is my bum and stud of the week. Bum goes to the entire Cincinnati Bengals ownership. You guys should just go ahead and get rid of Marvin Lewis. Oh, and seven in the playoffs. Come on. And believe it or not, my stud of the week is not in the NFL. For most of you that know me, I am a huge golf fan, love the PGA. Jordan Spieth, you get my stud of the week. You were trailing three shots on Thursday. You came back, went wire to wire from Friday to Sunday to win the first uh, uh, tournament of the year. Hats off to you, brother. He is going to have a remarkable season. He gets my stud of the week. Uh, Peter, bump stud of the week real quick. So my stud of the week goes to Aaron Rodgers for stepping in a big time against Washington. And then my bum of the week goes to Mr. Joey Porter. Um, just, you know what, just inexcusable what happened on the field. And actually, you know what, my, my bum of the week goes to the officials and actually all the coaches and players that were in Cincinnati. Just, just horrible all around and the fans that were there cheering on Big Ben's injury. 
you you guys are all just that's just terrible and you get, clean up your act and be better coaches players and and be better officials man get control of the damn game you're getting paid to do this on national tv you can't even get that right that's just that's just silly I'm, I was I will say a different bum instead of the week, uh, just uh, for variety. But I'm gonna go on record as saying that my official bum instead of the week is exactly the same as what Peter just said. Uh, but for my stud of the week, I'm gonna go with this uh, this uh, Seahawks defense. You know they really did make the difference in this game. They held the Vikings without a touchdown, and that's the only reason that they were able to stay in this game. You know, three straight uh, field goals, and then, of course, the one that they missed. Uh, Cam Chancellor forcing the fumble. I uh, played a really good game. And this, this Seahawks defense, uh, Legion of Boom's back, you know, and I think that they showed that this week. They did play well, and they kept their team in it. Um, and for my uh, my bum of the week, uh, it's hard. I'm hard to say this, but I'm going to give it a tie here to Jeff Locke, the holder, and Blair Walsh, the kicker. Uh, you know, that should have been, that's a chip shot, man. I mean, you know, like I've, I've played kicker zero. I punted in one game in peewee football ever, ever punted one time actually ever. And it bounced off of the dude, my, my center's helmet. That's how awful the kick was. And I can make a 27 yard field goal. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta not, not, not let your nerves get the best of you and go out there and do your job. That's a chip shot, man. Okay, real quick, I just got a question for you, Ryan. I know the the football season pretty much being over, and you guys do the fantasy show tomorrow night. Is there a change in the programming for tomorrow? What have you and Amos got going on? Absolutely, and I got to switch it up. Uh, fantasy football still over. However, we will be doing our fan duel contest every week. So you know, if you've been tuning into that, keep doing it. If not, uh, it's great to check out free to play, uh, and our and you can challenge me and Amos and. Uh, See if you can win. Uh, but we're gonna move on here. Uh, get get some uh, some basketball talk. Get some hockey talk. You know we're gonna talk a lot about that. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the national championship game a little bit. But we're really gonna focus on on going from the rink to the court. You know the hardwood, the ice. Uh, talk about everything yep. going on in the hockey and basketball yep. world. So tune in tomorrow tomorrow night at nine p.m. for that. Yep, because once Super Bowl is over, the spotlight switches from the March Madness Tournament. Uh, stay tuned. We got Nash and Matt coming up, followed by the stretch. Uh, everybody have a good night. Enjoy the rest of the game if you are watching. We are out of here. Well, there you have it. The boys were at it again. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. We hope you had a good night and stay right where you are. Another show is coming up. Y'all come back now, you hear?